This podcast is supported by an educational grant by Bosch Health, made available through the CDA Corporate Supporter Program. We realized in practice that treating minimally invasive non-melanoma cell skin cancer was giving better aesthetic results with cryotherapy compared to electrodesiccation. That's Dr. Marie-Michelle Blouin. She's a dermato-oncologist and Mohs surgeon at CHU de Quebec, of the University Hospital Centre in Quebec City. She's our guest on this episode of the JCMS Author Interviews. I'm your host, Kirk Barber. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Cutaneous Medicine Surgery, and I'm a Clinical Professor of Medicine at the University of Calgary. Today we're discussing with Dr. Blouin her article entitled Prospective Clinical Trial Comparing Curatage and Cryosurgery to Curatage and Electrodesiccation in the Management of Minimally Invasive Basal and Squamous Cell Carcinomas, which appeared in our November-December 2020 issue of JCMS. And just as a reminder, the article is available to you for the next three weeks through the website, even if you're not a subscriber to JCMS. Welcome, Marie-Michelle, to our podcast. I must start out by saying how impressed I was by this piece of work, and mostly because it's a clinician, a surgeon, taking care to really document the work very, very well over a period of time, and to come up with some really nice things that that uh, clinicians, whether you be a Mohs surgeon like yourself or a, a, a clinician, mostly medical, doing a little bit of basal cell work, uh, like myself, uh, can understand and learn from. So thank you again for this piece of work. It was excellent. Thank you. So tell me, what started you to think about doing this? So we realized in practice that treating minimally invasive non-melanoma cell skin cancer was giving better aesthetic results with cryotherapy compared to electrodesiccation. And we wanted to compare the two techniques and to make sure that the uh, cure rates were equivalent in two uh, groups of treatment. That's why we uh, had the idea of having two groups really comparable and then doing the two techniques to evaluate the uh, cure rates and then the aesthetic results of it. But really driven by the desire to have a better cosmetic result. Exactly. That, yes. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, you ended up with 100 and 117 patients that you operated on, and, and the numbers got down to 100 that you were able to evaluate. But let, before we start talking about results, mm-hmm. let's, let's just go through the sort of procedural aspects of this. First off, the type of tumor that you chose to operate on. Yes. So we chose the low-risk basal cell carcinomas and the low-risk, really uh, minimally invasive squamous cell carcinomas. We excluded all the immunosuppressed patients, the ones that have photosensitivity syndromes. We didn't want to include the recurrent lesion as well, the ones that had uh, irradiations before. And then all the lesions that were sized more than two centimeters on the trunk and extremities or one centimeter on the face and all the lesion more than six millimeters on the central face, the really the, the H zone. 
the tumors that had neurologic symptoms associated with were excluded as well, and the uh, rapidly growing squamous cell carcinoma were also excluded, as well as the, one, the, the basal cell carcinoma with high-risk features such as morphiform uh, subtypes, basal squamous, or micronodular subtypes. So the sort of tumors that in my general dermatology practice that clearly I run into day in and day out. Exactly, yeah. So uh, again, very applicable uh, to our everyday lives. Okay, so in the treatment, you're a Mohs surgeon, and it must have been hard for you to step away from the Mohs table for a second Mm -hmm. and get back down to the rest of us. But (laughs) but the drill here was, as as I read through the article was, you did a shave biopsy. Yes. To make the diagnosis. Exactly, first. And then you randomized to mm-hmm. either your cryotherapy group or your desiccation group. Yes. And then you did your study. So tell me tell me what you did with the... So you anesthetized, you shave, mm-hmm. and you get between two groups. What are the two groups that you would use? The first group would be the cryosurgery group, and then the second one, the electrodesiccation group. So mainly, we uh, used the chlorhexidine-based solution for asepsis, and then we anesthetize, as uh, you said. Uh, shave biopsy were sent for isopathological anal- analysis. Uh, some of the uh, tumors were then excluded after the um, reception of the uh, pathology reports if they were showing uh, high-risk features as the one that we discussed before. And then according to the randomization process, a patient would be assigned to either the cryosurgery group where curtage was performed just one time in multiple directions uh, with a one to four millimeter margins. And then we used aluminum chloride for uh, hemostasis. And we then used the cryosurgery with the uh, cryac device. And we um, thaw the surface of the lesion for two cycles of uh, 10 to 20 seconds to obtain a palpable frozen disc encompassing the visible tumor. If the patient was randomized to the electrodesiccation group, then the curtage was performed with the 1 to 4 millimeter margins as well, but it was followed by electrodesiccation. And this process was repeated three times in total. So two times after the original. Exactly. One. Okay, got it. Yeah. And then we used fusidic acid ointment or petrolatum jelly to the wound uh, and then uh, the patient had a dry bandage for 24 hours and they were instructed how to care for their wounds. Okay, so a couple of questions. Um, Did you do that all in one visit or did you have people, did you do the biopsy, get the histology and then ask the patient to return or did you do it all in one visit? Most of the time, it was a one-shot deal, well, just one visit. One visit. So when you're saying you excluded the high-risk pathologies, you would have excluded them from the analysis. Exactly. You would have treated them this way. Yes. And then gone back and retreated them if there was a more appropriate way. 
Exactly. And that's okay. what we do in practice as well. When we uh, encounter a low-risk tumor, such as a basal cell or a squamous cell like this, when we think it's going to be a low risk, then we use uh, one of these uh, techniques. And then when the uh, pathology reports come back with a high-risk features, then we uh, treat it either uh, with most surgery or uh excisions with a okay, whatever is appropriate yeah. right so and and then one i have some experience with the cryotherapy alone yes so when i was training mm -hmm. um number of years ago um in boston we set up a protocol where um we would just treat with the nitrogen the liquid yeah. nitrogen so there no biopsy and if it's a basal cell, it looked like a basal cell, we treated it with the nitrogen. And I tell you what, we treated it, and, I, and this is going to sound brutal, but we treated it without anesthesia. Oh, yeah. So it was very uncomfortable for these people. And we were doing 40, 50 patients in a clinic. I mean, it was a high volume sort of clinic to get all these people through. Um, and I remember the, and I saw that when you're going for a 30 second thaw it was very important for us we would stop watch the thaw so we mm -hmm. had to have a 30 second thaw to know that we had had significant depth to the freezing yeah so i was uh so that's why you're 30 seconds and so but just a reminder to people you're already anesthetized when they're doing this mm -hmm. so these patients aren't experiencing any real discomfort no from the freezing right N not at all yeah and then 30 seconds did you do it by the watch uh, yeah yeah, by yeah. protocol for this study. Right. Mm -hmm. And and what about in practice? Do you do it by the watch or, or do you do it by judging that sort of ivory colored yeah, change by, around the tumor? By practice, I, um, I, I'm just looking at the, at the disc. Yeah. 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 And it's not that frosty white, is it? It's, it's more mm -hmm. a vanilla colored um, change cream. in, 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 in yeah. cream. Yeah, cream. Yeah, color mm -hmm. change that tells you that and 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 the the way I explain it to the people I'm teaching is is you're creating these isothermic bars under the tumor, and you mm -hmm. have to have that vanilla color to know that your isothermic bar has gone deep enough because the breadth will dictate or the width of that bar circumference of that thing mm -hmm. will tell you how deep you are. Exactly. Right. If you just get a frost, you're not going deep enough. Exactly. That's yeah, the good. thing. So yeah. we want to have the disc. You want to have sure that, that, and you want to have it hard, like right? And great frozen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, so that so that was wonderful. So, so tell me um, before we again before we get to the results in the post-operative period. Yes. You know, we talk about the scar result, but I want to talk about that time between scar and treatment. Yes. What did patients tell you? Was it easier to have the cryo or was it easier to have the desiccation? Was there any change in wound? Was there any change in pain? Did, did you get fewer phone calls from one group than, than the other? I've not seen any difference in the two groups relating to uh, healing. Most of the times we instruct patients that it's going to take four weeks to completely re-epithelialize. Sometimes uh, patient will come back for uh, bleeding on the same day uh, back home. Uh, mostly, yeah, I have to admit, mostly in the cryosurgery group because we use the uh, aluminum chloride, which is not as 
hemostatic as the uh, electro uh, desiccation technique. So uh, more people in the cryosurgery group came back for some bleeding, mostly people on um, anticoagulant. But it, we didn't really study uh, this. That's very interesting. Maybe we should. But I don't think it would have been uh, statistically uh, significant. So it's not something you noticed. Because you would, you would definitely notice if you were getting phone calls from all of one group and nothing yeah. from the other group, right? Exactly. So some, pe- right. some people, but really not much. In practice, when you've used your cryosurgical technique and the thaws occurred, I mean, you could go back and use point electrodesiccation yes. too, right? Yeah. I mean, at that point, and you know, I know you wouldn't do this in your protocol, but but mm-hmm. you could go ahead and do that if you were concerned about about bleeding points. Exactly. Actually, we did sometimes when uh, when we felt the uh, aluminum chloride wasn't enough, we did use uh, negligible pinpoint electrocauterization for those patients in the uh, cryosurgery group but it was not the norm. But most of the time, it's when the epi takes off that we do get these bleedings. Uh, So two hours, uh, one to two hours after the procedure. Because right on the spot, it, it was doing fine. It really was an hour or two after the procedures that we sometimes, really uh, a few patients, but sometimes we did have a little bleeding that was easily uh, treated with either aluminum chloride or a little pinpoint uh, electrocautery. So you put the Vaseline on or the fusidin ointment, whatever your choice the day is. And for a bandage, is it like a simple Band-Aid or do you put any pressure on it? We did put some Telfa gauze and then a little compressing bandage, but nothing really uh, complicated, just a, a Mifix bandage over a Telfa. Okay, perfect. And, and for 24 hours, and then people could take it off and Vaseline and a Band-Aid it, uh, and twice shower. Twice a day. Bath, yeah, twice a day for two weeks, and then sometimes more if the uh, healing process was longer. Okay. So until there were no crust over the wound. So you had them use Vaseline changing twice a day until there was no crust? Yeah. Okay, perfect. All right, so now you've got people done 12 months later. Six, I know you saw, you saw them at six months and at 12 months. Um, yes. Tell me what you found. So the primary outcome was to determine the cure rates for the two groups at 12 months. And we also wanted to look at the cure rates at the 6, uh, 18, and 24 months, as well as the aesthetic uh, appearance of the scar at 12 months. First of all, the uh, study population, were there were no difference in the two groups. And cure rates were really the same in the two groups. So we had only one uh, recurrence of uh, the cutaneous carcinoma in the cryosurgery group, over 49 patients, and zero uh, recurrence in the electrodesiccation uh, group. So uh, a cure rate of 98% in the uh, curtage and cryosurgery group, and 100% in the curtage and electrodesiccation group. So you you had a hundred patients too. I mean that's the other thing yep. to remember. Mm-hmm. This isn't a this isn't for this kind of work. This mm-hmm. is a pretty big trial. Yeah, uh, with a hundred patients, right? I mm-hmm. mean you can get a really good sense 
that what you did worked. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's and, what we and, and for those people that will just be listening and not reading your article, mm-hmm. the recurrence was in a 98 year old woman yes. who had had 15 previous basal cells. Exactly. And there was some question it could have been a, 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 a pri- another primary tumor. So um, we shouldn't get put off by by that uh, other than statistically. It looked like it was a cure regardless of the uh, of the treatment uh, used, regardless of the modality. Exactly. Used. And that's, a, and that's yeah. a 24 months. That's a two years. Yes, yes. I mean, in your experience, if a basal cell is going to recur, is it going to recur within two years? With any other sort of treatment, apart from Mohs, of course, which yeah. has a, a very, very low recurrence rate. In the standard literature with regard to curatage, mm-hmm. would you expect a basal cell to recur within two years? If it was to recure, then it's recurring in the two years uh, period. But uh, most of the time it doesn't recure. I don't know if I answered the question. Well, that's exactly right. Well, (laughs) no, you're answering exactly because, you know, there are surgeons who spend time like you do, probably a lot of times doing three times over and back and do the electrodesiccation. And there are Mm -hmm. others that don't. And yes. so, you know, it's it's not everybody has that that uh, that um, attention to detail when they come to treating basal cells. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. then my question was, if was if a basal cell was to recur, the majority will probably have recurred in that two years. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Which really strengthens your data, because now mm-hmm. you've got 100 percent virtually success in both groups at two years. So, yes. um, yeah, exactly. it's, it's impressive. Mm-hmm. It's very impressive. Mm-hmm. Thank um, you. Oh, you're, you're very welcome. It's great work. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the scar. I mean, the reason you did this was for scarring. So did it make a difference? So we used a, an aesthetic scale to evaluate the scars between the two groups. The scale is called the Patient and Observer Scar Assessment Scale, a POSOS, uh, that we can call it. And uh, there's uh, two parts of it. So there's a part where the, where the patient uh, is evaluating his scar. And there's a clinician part as well for this. So with this scale, we're going to take a look at the vascularity of the scar, the irregularity as well. There's the pigmentation that is evaluated, the thickness, the relief, the pliability, the surface area, and the overall opinion of the scale. So that's for the clinician part. And then the patients were asked to evaluate their scar relating to pain, itch, color, stiffness, thickness, regularity, and overall opinion of the scar. What we found is that the scar were really similar for both groups, and really the patient were not as severe uh, <laughs> compared to the clinician evaluation. So patients were really satisfied with their scar. In the scale, we can code it 1 to 10. 1 would be the best scar that we can have, and 10 would be the worst one. So most of the scar were quoted very highly among the patient. We had a mean poses scar of 1.39 in the uh, cryosurgery group compared to 1.5 in the uh, electrodesiccation group. Remember that score of of 1 is the uh, ideal, like uh, 
almost a perfect scar in the eye of the patient. And we have 74% of patients in the cryosurgery that had coded the scar with a score of 1. In the electrodesiccation group, we had 66 patients that were really satisfied and gave the uh, highest score for their scar. And then in the uh, clinician evaluation, we had almost the same thing, but 34% of the clinicians gave a global score of 1 in the um, cryosurgery group compared to 70% of the patient. That's what we said earlier. So mainly a patient and clinician were really satisfied with the scars. And we saw a trend towards a better score in cryosurgery group. But because of the size of the study population, we could not find a statistically significant difference between the two groups. So a trend towards better scores in the um, cryosurgery group compared to the uh, electrodesiccation group, but that was not statistically significant. So you really did prove to your satisfaction that mm -hmm. aesthetically there is no difference? Yeah. And the cure is equivalent? Yes. Going out as far as two years? Yes. Okay, so now we take this work that you've done, and I'll ask you the question. In your practice, for these tumors with these parameters, the smaller, less complicated, or less, less uh, I guess the word would be... Uh, low risk. Uh, low risk, that's the word I'm looking for. The, the lower risk lesions, what do you do? Most of the time, we'll do the curtage and cryosurgery techniques. If the patient is on anticoagulant or with a high risk of bleeding, then we'll use the curtage and electrodesiccation. But really, most of the time, uh, now we use the uh, curtage and cryosurgery technique to remove low-risk non-melanoma skin cancer. Do you find it faster? We do, actually. It mm. takes less time and it's really practical for patients with electronic device such as pacemaker or anything that we would have to monitor in our center. So as well, it, we find it very convenient and easier to do in a very busy clinic when we don't always have access to a surgery room. We find that the uh, curtage and cryosurgery technique takes less need for a uh, surgery setting, let's say. Right. So patient comes in, cleaned, anesthetized, shave biopsy, off to pathology, curette once to sort of debulk, if you will, and get as good as you can, couple couple millimeters of margin. Yes, and one then to four. Yeah. One to four millimeters of margin, and then a 20 to 30 second uh, freeze with uh, a 30 second, 20 to 30 second thaw done twice. Exactly, with Perfect. the uh, aluminum chloride just before the cryosurgery. Okay, so yeah, stop cryotherapy. the bleeding before, yeah, with aluminum chloride to stop, or, or, or a little electrodesiccation to spot bleeding. Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> thank you for this work. I think it's going to change the way that people manage basal cell carcinomas. And I think it's going to improve the way because <laughs> if that, I, 
that three, you know, electrification and, and curatage three times. I mean, that third time you get a bit lazy, I think, and you, you're not yeah. as good at, at the third time as you are the first time. And this That's is a right. technique where simple, um, you could probably teach an assistant to do the cryo a bit pretty, pretty That's easily. Right. Um, and so, uh, so I think uh, I'm very appreciative of your work. Please share my uh, my thoughts and congratulations to your study team. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, um, you know, the CME that we do in the journal will, will change it for all our patients. So I'm very happy. <laughs> oh, it's great. And I very, very much appreciate the time you've spent with us. Thank you. It was a pleasure doing this interview with you today. Thank you. For this. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That was Dr. Marie-Michelle Blouin, a dermatologist, a dermato-oncologist and Mohs surgeon from Quebec City. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and that you're able to incorporate this procedure into the management of your patients with the basal cells and minimally invasive squamous cells. I really think it's going to be a very positive change for our clinical practices. Well, that's it for another episode of JCMS Author Interviews Podcast. Hope you enjoyed your time once again. Just a reminder, these articles are without a paywall on our journal site for three weeks after the podcast is posted. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and share this with your colleagues on social media. So I'm Kirk Barber. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, be good to each other.